נשיא המדינה ראובן רובי ריבלין. נשיא המדינה נבחר יצחק בוז'י הרצוג. אדוני ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו. גברתי נשיאת... חבר הכנסת סמוטריץ' נא להוציא אותו מהמליאה מיד. That's what it sounded like Sunday in Israel's Knesset, or legislature, in Jerusalem, when the country's newly elected Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, gave his inaugural address. You'll hear he's being immediately heckled by members of the opposition parties sitting in the chamber, including some religious parties who are not part of the new coalition government. And keeping an eye on it all in Jerusalem was Canadian professor Erwin Kotler. Kotler's got a unique vantage point as an observer of the Israeli political scene. He's a former liberal member of parliament in Canada, a human rights lawyer. He's got a home in Jerusalem where he's been staying while working on assembling the new Canadian Emergency National Summit on anti-Semitism, which we reported on earlier this week on our show. And you'll know that his daughter, Michal Kotler-Wunsch, was briefly a member of the Knesset herself for a few months last year. So what should Canadians know about Israel's newly sworn-in 36th government? It's, it's a very uh, unique consortium, which has never happened in Israeli history. I'm actually encouraged by that. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, June 16th, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Naftali Bennett is Israel's 13th prime minister and the first orthodox religious leader of the Jewish state, although he didn't actually come from a religious family. In fact, he started becoming observant only while growing up in Montreal during the 1970s. His parents were Americans who had moved to Israel after the 67 war. He was born in Haifa, but then his father got a job as a shaliach or emissary for the Technion Society's Canadian office. After the family moved to Montreal in about 75 or 76, they sent Bennett to a Chabad Lubavitch kindergarten, and he came home wearing a yarmulke and tzitzit, or a daily prayer garment. The Bennett spent a couple of years in Canada, and then the family moved to the U.S. and then back to Israel. He's founded several high-tech firms and then sold them for millions. He's been in politics for nearly a decade. He served as Benjamin Netanyahu's chief of staff and held stints as Minister of Defense, Minister of Diaspora Affairs, and Minister of Education. He's supposed to pass the Prime Minister job over to Yair Lapid in a couple of years. That's the agreement they worked out between them and all the eight different small parties in the coalition, including, for the first time, an Arab party, but no religious parties. All told, that gave his coalition just enough vote Sunday, 60 to 59, to defeat Netanyahu and the Likud party, who've been in power for 12 years. Coming up, we'll hear Professor Kotler's take on Bennett's policies. On settlements in the West Bank, for instance, he's for them. On Iran, no deal ever on nukes. And on relations with the Arabs, no two-state solution. But first, here's what's making news in Canada right now. Anti-Israeli protesters in the B.C. city of Prince Rupert have succeeded in preventing an Israeli-owned cargo ship from docking. It's part of the Block the Boat campaign organized by a pro-Palestinian group that supports the economic boycott, divestment and sanction movement against Israel. About 10 protesters in Prince Rupert set up a picket line and then local dock workers refused to cross it, even though they were supposed to handle the cargo from the Zim Company containers. This is the second Israeli ship to be impacted in B.C. this month. Another ship was kept out of Vancouver's port in a similar protest last week. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau sent a note of congratulations to the new Israeli PM and to the alternate PM, Yair Lapid. 
Trudeau says, quote, together, let's explore ways to further strengthen the relationship between Canada and Israel, including expanding bilateral trade and investment. Trudeau says Canada remains steadfast in its commitment to a two-state solution with Israelis and Palestinians living in peace, security and dignity, unquote. I spoke with Professor Kotler earlier this week on what the new Israeli government's priorities are likely to be. Well, I think one of the things is that, you know, the new government is probably going to concentrate on domestic issues. That's been, in, in fact, the major point of understanding from all the parties, right, center, left, Arab. I mean, it's, it's a very uh, unique consortium, which has never happened in Israeli history. I'm actually encouraged by that. I mean, if it works, uh, then I think it could really uh, produce a, an effective uh, governance involving, as I say, all spectrums of Israeli uh, society, Jewish, Arab, right, left, center, secular, religious, and, and the like. But I think the concentration uh, will be on domestic issues because on that there is a consensus. In other words, the issues of tackling the post-pandemic uh, uh, corona etc. Number one, and the health system as a whole. Number two, uh, the economy. There hasn't been a budget for close to three years, so that's a, a major uh, issue. I think the, the whole question of domestic security, law enforcement in the north and in the south, it's been, uh, at this point, I, I think somewhat out of control. And I think, so law enforcement is, is very important in terms of in the Arab sector, because I think they've been asking for that. It, it will mean collecting the illegal weapons that have been stored there, uh, etc. So providing more protection in in uh, various uh, sectors, and, and I think you know to tackle as best as possible the various divides that have arisen in Israeli society domestically. What is, you think, the, uh, any changes that, uh, with relationships with Canada that a new government would, would have? Or what, what, is, what are your predictions on that? I think uh, as to foreign policy, um, my hope is that we might see a return to a bipartisan foreign policy. I think one of the problems that we've had during the Trump period uh, is the identification that developed between uh, Netanyahu and Trump, uh, between uh, Israel and the Republican Party, I think that was unhealthy. And I think we need to return to a bipartisan foreign policy. And that will be more, uh, I think, in line with a Canadian approach as well as an American approach. Well, Canada just issued the statement. Um, Mark uh, Mark Garneau talked about, you know, we, we're not into apartheid. Somebody was saying that uh, Jessica Atwin, who's the, I'm sure you heard she crossed the floor from the Green Party, yeah. and she was tweeting about uh, that, you know, it's an apartheid state, stop supporting it. Um, you know, so let's talk a bit specifically about what should Canada be looking for uh, in this new government? Because, you know, um, Canada has a two-state policy, although it definitely does have unconditional support for Israel's right to exist. So, Well, I think, you know, I think President Biden put it very well uh, when he said, uh, apart from his, I think, most comprehensive statement of any political leader in condemnation of the anti-Semitism, when he referred to it as being uh, despicable, unconscionable, uh, un-American, etc., etc., uh, it was a very long statement, but I mean, that, that was the essence of it. 
Trudeau also, you know, had uh, <coughs> condemned it and said, you know, anti-Semitism has no place in Canada and or elsewhere. But but I think the uh, Biden statement otherwise, which has not gotten as much notice, that peace will come when there is a recognition of the legitimacy of Israel as a Jewish state in the Middle East. In other words, for him, uh, that was the root cause of the conflict. And I think that's an important point because I've often been a, uh, you know, a longtime supporter of not just two states. I felt that two states was sort of a lazy uh, characterization. Two states for two peoples, presupposing, therefore, the mutual acknowledgement and recognition of each other's legitimacy. So this means, therefore, that the recognition of the legitimacy of Israel as a Jewish state in the Middle East, uh, we go back to what Biden said, is at the core. Now, uh, because of what has been for many years now, a kind of, on the one hand, a culture of rejectionism by Palestinian uh, leadership and uh, an, an Israeli almost reactive move to other priorities rather than the Israeli-Palestinian issue. I think if we're going to return to the Israeli-Palestinian issue, it, and we should, it should be on the basis of two states for two peoples along the lines uh, that I was suggesting. Now, Canada may worry about the nationalist tendencies of Bennett and settlements, which would be a flashpoint, right? It, if Bennett were acting alone, that would be one thing. Uh, but he is part of a coalition and a coalition set of agreements. And so he's not able to act unilaterally any more than uh, people on the left in that coalition can act unilaterally. So as I say, because the, the, there's an agreement on the domestic agenda, health, economy, security, etc., I think that foreign policy will take a second place at the same time, anybody who knows Israel, the Middle East, knows that you never know what can happen. Uh, you can be proceeding, and all of a sudden you have a you know Israel-Hamas war again. But my sense is uh, that there will not be uh, acts undertaken unilaterally, and so uh, there'll probably be a restraint with respect to settlement building for the next while, at least. If the government lasts. If the government lasts. Right. And the, look, if just one person somehow changes his mind between our discussion now and tomorrow, uh, everything can just go asunder. I think they've all signed. I think they've all committed. My sense is it'll go ahead, but it'll always have that sense of vulnerability uh, because of that. The good news, though, is that the interpersonal relations amongst the party leaders are good. That's a very important component. In other words, the real problem with regard to Netanyahu's leadership was not so much his policies, but the fact uh, that he alienated a whole cluster of people that had they not been alienated, there would have been a large national unity government. I mean, Bennett, uh, Ayala Shaked, uh, uh, Lieberman, uh, Gantz, all these, uh, Saar, they all worked with with. Netanyahu. Just think, if the personal had worked, there would have been a, you know, a large national unity government. I think the relations between those same people now 
on an interpersonal level are very good. In other words, Lapid and Bennett may come from different approaches, uh, but they have a very good personal relationship. And the same with Giron Sar uh, and with Gantz. So I think it may work. How else has the new Israeli government been welcomed in Jewish Canada? Well, Jewish federations across North America also issued a statement of support. And CIJA, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, praised the diversity in the new Israeli cabinet with an openly gay MK, an Arab Islamist member, and nine women. CIJA also thanked outgoing Prime Minister Netanyahu and highlighted his work to sign important peace agreements with many Arab countries. That's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia, integrity, community, quality, and customer care. If you like what you heard, you should head over to our CJN YouTube channel, where you can watch my full conversation with Professor Kotler. Coming up tomorrow, a look at why so many Canadian rabbis are leaving their synagogues this month. Here's a sneak peek. But that's an unusual number of Canadian synagogues. And I think what is really unusual in Canada in particular is that rabbis in Canada tend to be there for a lifetime.